Hey friends and family, I decided to take a break from destroying cash value life insurance and instead today we're going to react to a Dave Ramsey video because finally Dave Ramsey has said something we disagree with again. For a minute there, he was looking like he was on our side just a bit, kind of admitting that like, okay, maybe some people can handle this debt but it's not for most people and then he went and made this video so we have to respond to it, let's get into it. Right, before we get into the video, make sure to destroy that like button for the YouTube algorithm. It helps us out tremendously. And we are giving away $500 to one of our first 10,000 subscribers. We're getting awfully close to 2,000. So the more people that sign up, the faster we can get that $500 out. So get your friends to uh, subscribe. It helps us out. So today we're going to be responding to Dave Ramsey's video called, What Should I Do About My $3 Million Real Estate Debt? And already, you know I'm super interested when it comes to real estate stuff. So let's go. Christian is with us in Greensboro, North Carolina. Hi, Christian. Welcome to the Ramsey Show. Christian. Hey, Dave. Uh, yes. Uh, so I was calling because I had a question. Uh, I have uh, $6 million worth of uh, property here in uh, the area. Mm -hmm. And um, I owe almost $3 million, about $2.8 in uh, in loans. Uh, my question was, do you think it's wise to sell some of my portfolio to pay off the loans and be debt free? Or should I utilize the monthly cash flow to pay off the loans uh, fast? Um, I have a third suggestion, but I love how they're both already nodding at the uh, pay off the debt part. They're like, yeah, just pay all the debt off or sell the properties, pay the debt off, get out of debt. Because, you know, you know, that's going to be their answer. What do you think? Well, congratulations. You've done a good job. you got a good equity position and yes, you've obviously got a going concern. And uh, you, there's a lot of different ways to attack uh, the situation where you are. You can keep doing more of what you've been doing. Um, he, here's what I learned when I had, uh, at, when I was 25 years old, 24 years old, I had $4 million worth of real estate and I owed $3 million on it. So I did not have as good an equity position as you do. Okay, I was about about 75% loan to value. You're about 50%. All right. But uh, I ended up losing everything because the bank got sold to another bank, called our notes. We had a lot of flip notes out of 90 day notes, and it caught me and took me out. So I didn't know this. He had a lot of flip notes. So what that means is if you're flipping a property, you can get like a high interest loan to then go restore that property, and you have like a certain time frame. I think 90 days is normal. Someone could comment, let me know if I'm wrong. But you have a certain amount of time to fix that property up, get a new appraiser in to tell you what the new value of the property is, and then you can refinance that with a conventional loan. And I think that's what he was attempting to do here, and that does make a lot of sense. In some cases for flipping, it's better to get a flip loan and then refinance once you've kind of renovated that property. It sounds like what Dave did is had flip loans on a bunch of properties. He intended to renovate. During this 90-day time frame, the market dropped. So he no longer had $4 million worth of real estate. He had less than $3 million worth of real estate. These guys on the flip loans decided to call his loans back, but not um, convert them to a standard conventional loan. So then he had to pay these loans back. And he didn't have enough real estate to sell in order to pay these loans back. So if he had the cash or assets in other places, he could have used that to compensate. So that's a good one. You're a lot safer with that. So let's, let's continue. 
And what I learned from that going broke process in my 20s, 30 years ago, was that uh, those of us that love real estate, people like you and me, Christian, uh, sometimes we forget to measure risk. Common sense tells you and actual business analysis tells you that the more debt you have, the more risk you have. Would you agree with that? Yes, indeed. Okay. So you, you can break this down by creating two extremes and seeing if that's still true. So the extremes are if you have $10,000 worth of debt and you have no assets at all, you are in the hole ten grand. You have no way of paying that back. Is that high risk? Yes, very high risk. It's only $10,000, but very high risk. You're going to have to figure out how to keep your job in order to keep paying that debt down. Otherwise, you're going to declare bankruptcy. And people have to declare bankruptcy on pretty small amounts of debt all the time. In fact, let's look that up. The average amount of debt that someone files for a bankruptcy is $26,000 and the median is $17,000. So most people, the median means most people, the, the middle point of the amount of people are about at $17,000 worth of debt when filing bankruptcy. So they don't have to have a lot of debt to file bankruptcy. They don't have to have 3 million like this guy. Now let's take the other extreme, which is if you have someone with, let's say a million dollars worth of debt, but their assets are $100 million, right? They're at no risk anytime soon of getting close to that million dollars worth of debt. These two examples, the two extremes show that the amount of debt is kind of irrelevant to the amount of risk. You need a lot of assets, low debt. That makes safe, right? So in his case, $6 million worth of real estate, $3 million worth of debt. I don't like that. Um, that's all we know. I'm kind of wondering, do you have assets other places? I certainly hope so. But um, yeah, that was really easy to debunk that lots of debt equals more risk. And what I've discovered now over 30 years, not only of teaching these things, but of living a completely debt-free life. And I today own several hundred million dollars worth of real estate. Um, and uh, what I've discovered in that process, building that portfolio a different way over this 30 years is that the lack of risk with having no debt has accelerated over the long haul the amount of real estate I can own because I don't make as many mistakes, I don't have setbacks, I don't have cash flow problems, I've always got cash. Can you imagine how much cash my real estate throws off with no debt? This is mathematically wrong. So... He, he's trying, he's saying like, you know, I did better not having debt, even though mathematically that doesn't make sense. And then he's ending it right here with, I have tons of cash flow. Can you imagine the cash flow without debt? Which is true. You do have tons of cash flow. But the reason people use debt to begin with is you can use that cash on other things. So instead of paying 500 grand for a house and then taking a cash flow on that 500 grand, I can put 25% down, take cash flow and appreciation on the house and use that other 75% on other things that will also continue to grow right? It could be other real estate. So mathematically, what he's saying doesn't make sense. So he chucked a few things in the middle there where he's like, I make less mistakes, right? Because I, I don't, you know, I'm not dependent on this debt, right? So yeah, I mean, yeah, you could, you could argue that like, you know, debt creates an emotional response. And in which case I would say like, all right, then let's find ways to take the emotions out of the equation so we can make smart financial decisions and propel our wealth into the future. Um, Dave's response is instead of trying to be financially literate, how about we just don't go into debt at all and then we don't have to worry about what our emotional responses are going to be. 
So this is goes back to that point where I said like, look, if you're in consumer debt and you have a hard time staying on a budget, what I'm telling you isn't for you. Follow Dave Ramsey. Make sure that you can follow him for a while before you get into any kind of, in, you know, thought out debt <laughs> and make sure that you follow his steps and can actually achieve that for a while before you get there. But and that allow I can buy another piece of real estate with just cash flow fairly often it uh, because we've got tremendous rents coming in on these things now. So all that to say what I have learned from my personal walk and from walking with others is that where where I know you will be the best off in 10 years and have the most wealth because of the lowered risk and the increased peace in your life um, is if you were debt free. Now, do we have to burn everything down and do this suddenly because you just you and I had a conversation? No, I think you have a gradual process and you say, okay, over a year, two years, three years, whatever it is, I'm going to move in that direction because if I were in your shoes, I would rather have $4 million of paid for real estate than $6 million of real estate with $3 million worth of debt. Very true. And that's about where you will be because your real estate will go up in value while we're doing this. All right. So how long so, you been doing uh, it? Yeah, there's another, so like people do this constantly and it drives me crazy, right? So they, they apply advantages to their point of view that they don't apply to the opposing point of view. And Dave just did this right here, right? You're going to have $4 million worth of real estate. If you sell some of the properties and pay off the debt, because there will be appreciation. Would you rather have that or would you rather have this scenario where you have $6 million worth of real estate on $3 million worth of debt and no appreciation because I'm not going to allow you to think that way. He could have, let's say if he could gain a million dollars more in appreciation over the next five, 10 years, he would have paid the loans down. He wouldn't pay the loans down. His rent, his tenants will pay the loans down while gaining more appreciation because he has more properties. And if we sat down and figured the math out on that, it technically makes sense to maintain the debt. And like I said, I have an idea that's not being discussed here. Stick around to the end. So apparently you've been doing it a while and you're good at it. Well, I've been doing it since uh, 2012. I actually used my W-2 to uh, help me purchase property. And I was also flipping at the time. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and okay. Uh, in 2019, I decided to uh, leave my job because I was able to uh, sustain uh, paying myself and uh, yeah. paying all the bills. Yeah. And so you're doing flips in addition to this. Yeah, well, flips are more so like uh, for fun. It's more, I do flips maybe two, three times a year. Okay. Uh, yeah, but just good pocket money. Just, uh, okay. Yeah, you can probably yeah. live off your flips, and then your your other stuff just generates income. That's awesome. Well done. Good for you. Well, here's what I figured out: when I'm doing a flip, I buy something differently if I'm paying cash, and when it is paid for, I am in no rush to sell it. So my Yes. My, my, I, I never become a motivated seller or a motivated buyer. And I get better deals on the buy and I sell for higher on the sell. He makes a good point here. You don't want to be a motivated seller or a motivated buyer. You don't want to put yourself in a position where you have to make something happen in order to stay afloat. Right. So you want to make sure that you're being conservative. We talk about that all the time. If you're going to take out debt against a property, make sure you have assets elsewhere as well that you can use to cover any type of situation you get into. Like tons of real estate people will talk about they panic to get their first 
tenant into their first rental because they wanted to make sure that it cash flowed and that they could cover their bills. And that tenant ended up being terrible because they didn't do the due diligence to make sure that they were good to go. So you want to put yourself in a position where you can wait in order to put that tenant in there. In fact, I would argue you want to put yourself in a position where at least your net worth grows faster than the costs on your real estate. Not that you have to have the cash flow, but you want to make sure that your net worth in general is growing faster than the costs. And then you want to make sure that you have a good cash source to cover the costs until you can put someone into that property. And as time goes on, we talked about this before too. If you have multiple businesses, multiple residences, right? You don't have to worry so much about what's happening with a singular one. So we had a house fall on one of our houses, took us about a month to work that out. We finally worked it out. Now we got people back in there and we weren't panicking because we have multiple properties now and we don't have to worry about it. Those properties cover the cost of that one, right? So businesses work the same way. You got tons of restaurants. You're less likely to worry about how one individual restaurant is doing if you have a bunch. Whereas if you just have that one, you're vested to make sure that one is very, very successful. Because I got all kinds of patience with no payments. But when the payments eat in your eat in your back pocket out, it makes you want to jump and get rid of that thing. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. And I, I've been following you for quite a while, and uh, I'm, I'm, I would like to be debt-free uh, at some point. Uh, that's why... Uh, you Have know, you I got any properties to, uh, that are higher LTV, that are 80 90% LTV? Uh, no, like uh, usually when I when I borrow, it's really really low. Uh, well, I mean, so you're at about fifty percent on the portfolio. If, what if you don't have any yeah. that are higher than that? They're all about fifty percent. No, not at all. Okay, then then because that cause that, that would be the first ones I divest. But since you don't have those, what I would do is just look at the portfolio and go, okay, ten years from now, which one of these suckers do I want to own? And start going, okay, I'm going to use some some cash flow and knock out a few, and I'm going to liquidate, I don't know, a couple million dollars worth or a million dollars, million and a half worth or whatever it comes out to be. And, you know, between those two things, have a two or a three-year plan to be free. Because, again, you're going to ha- you're going to be wealthier and you're going to have a better life if you start with $4 million of paid-for real estate three years from today. You, you won't be wealthier. That's mathematically wrong, Right. You know, he's going to say you're going to be you're going to feel better. You're going to sleep better at night. Um, I also disagree with that. I, I sleep perfectly fine. I don't have any issues because I know that I've calculated, you know, for the worst case scenarios like a 2008 crash. I'm good to go. I have multiple assets in multiple different places to cover anything. I have a lot of options to choose from if something were to happen. I've got backup cash for my properties. I got backup cash for my family. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't I don't feel this. So I, I disagree. You make more money by leveraging than without leveraging by a lot. And then if you could take the emotion out of it, so you're not making some crazy mistakes, then you've solved the problem that he's addressing here, which is, you know, there's an emotional aspect. All right. Well, I I removed the emotional aspect. I'm making smart, intelligent decisions. So what now? I'm not arguing with that. (laughs) I think, I think he got a, I think he got the nice Dave version of that. That was great. Well, he's, he, the reason is, is because he's actually pulling it off. Yeah, he's not. He he could probably survive, and not and do and you know ten years. Now you start doing this nothing down real estate crap on Tic Tac. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're not going to survive ten years. Yeah, that's because true. Because all the guys that I knew doing that in any generation have gone broke, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. including me. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but he's sitting in a fifty percent equity position, so he's going to cash flow. Uh, and if he manages the property well, and he's been doing it a decade yeah. already. Yeah. 
So that tells me he, he's really got his crap together. But now we're down to the simple of philosophy is you start asking yourself, is this debt-free thing really better? Mm-hmm. And the actual end result of the data is, yeah, you end up better. Not just a better feeling. Right. You end up with more money. Well, yeah, no. you laid that out really clearly. No, no, you didn't. And also, no, you don't. Right? Because you're, you're tying up all your cash into real estate. The real estate appreciates at 4%. And yeah, you're getting cash flow, but you're tying up all your cash into that. Which is great if that's what you want to do, but mathematically, you do not make more money. And he did not point that out. He, like we sat down and we showed you in multiple videos in our real estate investing playlist, if you want to check it out, all the math that shows why leveraging is so powerful. Now, I'm not telling you to do zero down real estate. I think that's a terrible idea. But if you can leverage intelligently, you can make tons more money in the long run, tons more wealth. And again, we're going to get to my solution here. I think that he has a a good strategy for him and something that he can start walking towards, which is really cool. Yeah. Those of you that are playing with real estate or want to play with real estate, let me just tell you something. You will never put in, you you will be less likely, never, you can always do something stupid. You will be less likely to put a bum tenant in a property when you don't have any payments. But when you got payments, you're looking for somebody to pay those payments with their rent. Very and you're, you're you're more desperate as a landlord to fill your vacancies, and you're more likely to go, well, I know, I kind of had a bad feeling. We said that. Turns out she was doing drugs. Who knew? Wow. But, you know, I mean, whatever it is, right? And mm-hmm. you, you put a, a tenant in there that's a bum, and then you've got a mess. They tear up the place. You go through, you still go through six months with mm-hmm. no income. You go through an eviction. You go through all this stuff, bankruptcies on them, everything else. It's a mess, but you won't overlook that. If you're going, I don't think unless you really make me feel good that I'm going to let you have the privilege of living in my property because I don't <laughs> have any point. problems now and I don't need you to bring your problems to me. That's such a good point. Yeah. So you just desperate landlords make stupid decisions like desperate people of any kind. And it ends up costing them more. Yeah. And yeah, you get, you do get, you get bit, you get really bit. And I've done both. I've been both. It's been a long, long time since I've put in a ten, a weak tenant because I had to, mm-hmm. because I haven't been there in decades now. And so I'm just really encouraging folks. There's a, there's a way to do this real estate thing where it turns out really nice. And there's a way to do it where you go broke. So, and Christian's in the middle. This is a good question. So that's quite the leap there to say that like, okay, um, you know, if you're motivated because you are stretching yourself thin and you're buying real estate, you need to put someone in, you can make mistakes. Therefore, the answer is to not have debt. That's quite a leap. I think the answer is to make sure that you're not motivated and you don't have to put a tenant in in order to be successful. You want to make sure that you're being, you, you have plenty of reserves that you have other assets that could cover it. You have cash flow from other things that can cover it, whether it be other houses, other investments, your work, your job, whatever, and that you're able to cover it while you're trying to find the right tenant. That's the answer. The answer is to make sure that you don't find the wrong tenant and to put yourself in a situation where you don't have to. It's not just to be (laughs) debt-free, but that's the end of the video. So here's my solution. And here's where I run into problems with you know, Dave on all this is that no, the math does not work out where you're wealthier by not having debt. The math works out that you're wealthier by having debt, but you do also increase your risks. 
And I understand that. I understand this is not risk-free when it comes to having debt. So the, the things that you want to make sure that you do is cover yourself in case of like a 2008 crash, meaning make sure you have enough equity on your property that if a crash starts happening, that you're still positive. In this case, the, the market, the housing market could crash 50% like it did in 2008. And this guy would still be above water, which is good. The second thing is uh, have cash reserves for your property and for your family, because if you run out of a job or you don't have a tenant, you want to make sure that you can cover those things in case you need to. The next is make sure you have assets in other places, putting assets in other places that are also growing like index funds, for example, gives you a place to have emergencies in case you absolutely need them. Like we don't want to touch them unless we absolutely have to, but we can pull from that if we need to, in order to make sure that we can weather a storm because we want to not only weather the storm, but we want to come out on the other side because it will come out greater than when we went into the storm. And we always know that. So as long as we can weather the storm, we'll be wealthier on the other side. And I agree with Dave, no zero, um, down real estate, zero down real estate investing is a terrible idea. We're not doing that here. Um, but the, the solution I have, this is my solution. And this is something that I've been doing and I'm, you know, this is something I intend to do and I haven't done yet because of the way interest rates are. But, um, when interest rates fall, I'm going to go refinance my properties, take as much equity as I can out and turn that cash and put it into index funds so that those, that cash can now grow at a rate of 10% because if it's stuck in real estate is doing nothing. And then I'll have those assets in case something happens to the real estate. And I have the real estate and say something happens to those assets and it'll be weighted to the point of like, I will have as many, you know, as much in index funds as I have in loans in real estate, which I do pretty much have now. So you'll have plenty of ability to compensate yourself in case anything happens. You're safe. You can sleep at night. You're maximizing your growth. You're not taking this giant hit by being uh, debt-free completely. And um, you're able to move that equity into something that's appreciating at a better rate than what it would do in the property. Not only that, but like, let's say if the market did crash and he saw like a 50% drop right after he uh, um, refinanced his property, that house or those properties could be lower than what the loans are, which is fine because he has now assets in other places that are continuing to grow over time as well. He wouldn't have that otherwise. That would just be equity that would be totally lost at that point. So my final point, my final conclusion here is I've decided this. If you know what you're doing and you feel comfortable with it, you probably wouldn't be calling Dave Ramsey. So now I've decided that the people who are calling Dave Ramsey with these questions should just do what Dave Ramsey says. If you know, like I like watching Dave Ramsey, but I'm not going to call him and ask him what he would do. I know the answer to that question. And I know and I feel comfortable with the decisions I've made. So why would I call him and say, hey, look, I want to do this thing when I already know I'm not going to listen to what he has to say and I already know what he's going to say. So I've decided that if you call Dave Ramsey, listen to what he has to say. If you're smart with finances and you want to learn more about how to be better with finances and how wealthy people are actually doing it, then stick around on this channel. Make sure to like and subscribe. Hit us up at wealthidiots.com. I super appreciate you guys and I'll see you guys next time.